0: and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to talk about the future Advent of our King. Let's dive in. Over the last three weeks, we've been walking through a mini-series talking about the Advent or the coming of our King, King Jesus. And if you haven't listened to those, I would encourage you to go back and listen to those beginning in episode 225 as we walk through three episodes looking at what does it mean to be ready and to be prepared and expectant for this Christmas season of which we're in. Now, if you're listening to this episode when it releases, this is Christmas week. So Merry Christmas! What an incredibly exciting week. And yet in this particular episode, I don't actually want to talk about The coming of Jesus being born in a stable. Yes, we've talked about that over the last several weeks, but I wanted to use this final episode in the mini series to talk about the coming advent of our King. It's interesting to me that as we talk about the Christmas season and the coming of Jesus Christ and this incarnation and the birth, well, we call that the advent. It's the coming of our King. And yet, a lot of times in this season, we forget. That yes, Jesus came, but more importantly, we need to remember that he is still to come. That in his first coming, which is so amazing, all of human history centers around it, and your and my life is the birth or the reality, the, the flowing out of all that he did through his birth, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension, and then outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So I in no way want to downplay the first coming of Jesus. That is amazing. And it is his first coming that allows us the opportunity to be forgiven of our sins, to walk in freedom and righteousness and holiness and truth, to actually have relationship with the king of the universe. But all that being said, I also don't want us to forget that our king is going to return. That as we eagerly await for his second coming, Well, we should do so with great expectancy and intentionality. It seems like if you look at the modern church today, there's either a lot of people who are rather obsessed with end time stuff to the point where, well, they get a little weird and probably unhealthy because end times becomes their focus rather than Jesus. Or the other side of the coin is, well, a lot of the church just ignores the fact that Jesus is going to return at all. And yet scripture is replete. It just declares over and over and over again, the fact that not only is Jesus returning, we should be excited and it should produce hope and expectancy in our lives. So let me read a couple of verses. Now, if you want to dive more into this idea of the return of Christ, you could actually read Jesus' words in Matthew 24 and 25. That might be a great place to start. But let me just give you kind of an overview of this idea of what does it mean as believers, to be expected or excited or anticipating the second advent of our King. Hebrews 9.28 says this, So Christ also, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin to those who eagerly await him. Isn't it interesting that he is going to return a second time and we should be eagerly awaiting that return. Jesus said in John 14 verses 1 through 3, he's looking at the disciples in the upper room and he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus also said in Luke 21, verse 27, he says, Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Do you realize that Jesus is going to return? In Acts chapter 1, as Jesus ascended into heaven, And of course, you know, the disciples are kind of standing in awe and rather aghast. The angel says, hey, look, the same way that he returned or the same way he left ascending into heaven is the same way he's going to return, that we should be expecting. He is the coming king. And I love pondering this idea, especially in the Christmas season, because as we celebrate the first coming of Jesus, it should be a grand reminder that he is returning again, that there is another advent coming and we should be therefore expectant. I love what Paul says in Philippians chapter three, in verse 20 and 21, Paul says that our citizenships as, as, as Christians, our citizenship is in heaven from which also we eagerly wait for a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the ex- exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Or Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 18, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with a trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then those who are alive And remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Now, right after that statement, listen to what Paul says. Therefore, so based on those words, the fact that Christ is returning, therefore comfort one another with these words. You and I should be comforting and encouraging one another with the thought that Jesus is returning and that doesn't matter how bleak or a dark our world may seem to be getting. Christ is returning and that should be, that should be producing great hope and expectancy and joy in our lives. One other quick thought when it comes to this Philippians two, verse nine and 11 uh, again, in verse 5, Paul talks about the fact that we should have that same mind or attitude that was in Christ Jesus. And then he begins to explain what that was in verses 6 through 8. But listen to how he finishes this great passage on the kingly nature of Jesus. He says in Philippians 2.9, For this reason also, God highly exalted Jesus and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the father. Do you realize that there is coming a day where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the father. So with that being said, let me encourage you that we should not be passive even in this season we should be making ourselves ready we should be expectant and we should walk in purity and humility and love because he is returning let me read you a few other verses just on that idea of making ourselves ready for this second advent of our king in Matthew 24:44 Jesus again is talking about his return his second coming and he says, for this reason, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think He will. So we must make ourselves ready. In Revelation nineteen seven, in this great revelation passage that John is seen in the heavenlies, he says, "Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to Him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride." has made herself ready. See, there is a coming wedding feast. The groom is coming to get his bride. And as such, we as the bride should make ourselves ready. We are to be a pure and spotless bride. It says in Ephesians 5, 25 through 27, again, it's in this context of marriage and husbands love your wives, but he gives the illustration Paul does of Christ giving himself for his bride, the church. And and listen to what Paul says in Ephesians 5.25. He says, Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church, this bride, in all of her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy. And blameless. See, isn't it interesting that in the book of Revelation, in this wedding feast, the bride has made herself ready, that she is a pure and spotless bride. And as such, the bride therefore must make herself ready. We must, as the bride of Christ, as the church, the body, we must walk in repentance, in humility, in purity, of righteousness, and of truth. And if there's anything going on in our lives that should not be there, can I encourage you, don't explain it away. Don't make excuses. Rather, repent and seek the Lord. Allow the life of Jesus to cleanse and purify you. It was Paul in 2 Corinthians eleven two, 2, who says, For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I betrothed you to one husband, so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. See, we are to be pure In our relationship, we should be walking in purity and righteousness and holiness and godliness because our king is coming for a pure and spotless bride. In that same vein, Paul says to Titus in Titus 2, he says, "...for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age." get this, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. Paul says that there is this blessed hope that is coming. It is, it is the appearing of our God and Savior, Jesus. Therefore, because we know he is coming, well, we should deny ungodliness and all those worldly desires and pleasures, and we should be walking in righteousness and godliness. He says something very similar in Colossians chapter 3. In verse 4 through 10, Paul says, When Christ, who is our life, isn't that a great statement? When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, he says, because we know that he is gathering a bride, because we know that there is this second coming of our precious Messiah, Paul says, therefore, Consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience and in them and in these things, right? This immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, desire, and greed. In these, you also once walked when you were living in them. But now, see, there's this great contrast. Right now, you are to put aside them all along with anger and wrath and malice and slander and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. In other words, Jesus has done a great work in your life. You are to put on that new life in Christ. And you're to throw off that old life, all that old worldly pleasures, all that immorality, all that impurity that we used to walk in. See, Christ is to define our lives, not this world. And the reason we can walk in victory and triumph and purity and righteousness and holiness, the reason we should desire to even live that way, is because we know our king is returning and he's coming for a pure and spotless bride. Let me end with this. In Luke chapter 18, verse eight, Jesus makes this statement and I find it rather convicting. (laughs) He says this, I tell you that he, speaking of himself, will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the son of man comes Will he find faith on the earth? I find that a rather poignant question. I find that so convicting. When Jesus returns, when he comes back in the second advent, is he going to find faith on this earth? And of course, a lot of us who are believers are like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm a believer. I have faith. And yet when I read scripture and it says that I don't have to live in sexual immorality or impurity or greed or unrighteousness as we just read in Colossians 3, that I can walk in victory of triumph, of freedom, impurity, and, and hope. Do I actually have faith to believe that's true and walk in that reality? In other words, does my life actually showcase what the Word of God declares? Does my life showcase the fact that I am living a supernatural life, not because I'm gritting my teeth and, and trying to produce in and of myself A Christian life? Rather, am I living according to the life of Christ by faith and through that empowerment of the spirit of God in my life? When when people look at my life, is it so improbable? Is it so impossible? Is it so unexplainable that they say, I don't know how you're living. You must be a Christian because the only explanation for your life is Jesus. And it is only as we walk in faith, just as Abraham and Moses and Daniel and David walked in faith, it is as these great saints who went before us walked and trusted in their God and lived truly supernatural lives, how much more we in this new covenant who are filled with the Spirit of God. And it is sad to me that Jesus even had to ask the question, when I return, will I find faith on the earth? can I encourage you to be one of those whom Jesus finds living by faith when he returns? Not that we just esteem him returning, not that just we go to church and, you know, tip our hat to the religious activities of the day. Are we walking in faith? Are we walking in belief and trust in God and his word? And I think if we were actually living that way as believers, It would radically change how we think, how we talk, how we live. And as an alpha, it would would change the world around us. Let us, especially as we come into this new year, walk in faith. So as we celebrate Christmas this week, can I encourage you, don't just celebrate the first coming of the King, celebrate the second coming of our King as well. Be expectant, have this desire to live fully the Christian life. Don't justify sin in your life. Rather, walk by faith, in belief, in trust in the great King of kings and Lord of lords. For he is worthy. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. For show notes of this episode, including an entire list of all those verses that I read, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 228 for episode 228. Now, next time, I'm really excited to kind of give a final thought as we wrap up this year and get ready to enter into a brand new season. And until then, know I'm cheering you on and praying for you as you build your life around the one whom we celebrate and are expectant to return again, Jesus Christ.